Welcome to Witches Being Witches. Spiritual besties chatting all things stars, skin, science, sex, and self-love. I'm Tara, Ayurvedic consultant, cosmic witch, and Vedic astrologer. And I'm Emily, qualified naturopath, holistic skin witch, and founder of natural skin and lifestyle brand, The Purist Collection. Witches Being Witches is for the woman who is ready to reclaim her power, dares to take up space, and expresses herself fully. A witch is a woman who embraces nature, its cycles, and knows that she is magic. Welcome, Welcome fellow witch. witch. We are so happy you are here. This episode is proudly brought to you by The Purist Collection, a luxury naturopath-formulated skin, body, and lifestyle brand, supporting you with herbal medicine, flower aroma, and crystal therapy, because what you put on your body is just as important as what you put in it. Available online at thepuristcollection.com. That's the with purist, P-U-R-I-S-T, collection.com. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to episode 33, Menstrual Health with M. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Just for something different, I thought I'd come on the podcast. <laughs> yes, I'm excited for you to talk about menstrual health. Yeah, me too. Such a huge one. It impacts so many people and yeah. you know what? It's only been in my late 30s that I feel like I understand it. Yeah, I. it's something that I'm so passionate about speaking about because it's something that I feel like we're robbed of mm. um, by our education system. I feel like why did I have to study a naturopathy degree to find out about a part of my basic biological function? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah. and how how to work with it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. see it in a in a positive lens, exactly. Than... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we just want to kind of normalize conversations around menstrual cycles and what is normal, what's not normal, and what we do about it. Mm. Yeah, and I think with this conversation and the way our society is going, it's becoming more less and less taboo. Yes, and, which is really promising. Yeah, and we just want to continue totally. that with this conversation. Yeah. But before we do, just a quick cosmic update. So we have just had a full moon in Vedic in the sign of Pisces. So we'll definitely still be in this energy. So Pisces is the ruler of the 12th house. It relates to spirituality, healing, the subconscious, old age, and what is hidden. So it's also referred to as the house of self-undoing. So if you're feeling um, a little bit emotionally raw with this full moon, it's a really good time to nourish yourself, have a have a bath, have, do something that is very nourishing for you if you are feeling extra emotional or even mm. a massage or something like that. And this is a really good time with this energy to start thinking about um, detaching from what is not important because the full moon is all about release. So releasing what you um, no longer need to um, have in your life. Mm. And if something ends, just know that this Pisces energy 
really allows you to have that soft space to reflect and like let any of those stuck emotions like um, out of your body because Pisces can be a little bit about escapism so we don't want to do that we really want to feel it to heal it so just um, mm-hmm. this is going to be good energy for that and then because Pisces is such a spiritual sign it's really surrendering to the universe's divine wisdom as well mm-hmm. so listening to um, whatever um, that intuition is is coming through that's so cool. I am a Pisces rising. Yes. And it's really interesting because the last cosmic update for our last episode was the moon in Virgo, which yeah. was you and your yeah. ascendant. And now here we are doing my solo episode um, for my ascendant yes. sign. So we have timed this perfectly. How very Piscean of us. Yes, <laughs> very cosmically timed. Exactly. Always. Always. Obviously, this was so intentional, everyone. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. (laughs) We had this planned like years in advance. (laughs) What's going on in your life at the moment, T? Uh, Well, I am super excited, Emma, about next week. I am going to a Vedic retreat down Mm. in the south of Western Australia. And it has been one of my goals to actually... um, you know, be a part of a retreat. Yeah. Like it's it's really what I want to do is, um, yeah, like be a part of that. And, yeah. you know, we're going to be serving Ayurvedic food and we're going to be mm. doing yoga. And I've just been looking forward to it for the longest time. And a really good friend, um, Ayurvedic practitioner who I studied with is hosting it. And we've just got the most divine women in it. So uh, it's going to be so nourishing and I'm leading the um, Jyotish part of it. I'm reading all their charts. So I'm just, I'm oh, so excited. How magical. Um, meanwhile, I'm in South Carolina right now, yes. lapping up the last few days of my trip before I head back, back to little old Perth. Yeah. Wow. It's sweet. I, I just, yeah, it's hard to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to hear about it. Em. I cannot wait to fill you in. All right, should we get stuck in? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So I thought I'd hit you with a stat first. So on average, a menstruating woman in Australia is going to have 450 to 500 periods in her life. That's an equivalent (laughs) of about 10 years of bleeding. And yeah, for some reason, we're just not educated. We don't talk Mm. about periods. And it's like, that is a big part of our life. That is. Yeah. on That's the average woman. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about menstrual health today. And I want to start off by talking about periods and cycles and kind of breaking it down a little bit. So first of all, a period is called a period because it's periodic. Quite simple. <laughs> um, your cycle, on the other hand, is... Um, all of the days including your full menstrual cycle so you start your you start counting your menstrual cycle at day one of your period the first proper day of bleeding and then you carry right through until your next period and that is a full cycle length so typical healthy menstrual cycle length is somewhere between 21 to 35 days now 28 is a kind of smack back smack bang down the middle kind of average ideal 
number. Um, but anywhere between 21 to 35 days is a nice healthy cycle length. Um, so that is the cycle. Your period is one part of your menstrual cycle. So I want to talk about the whole thing um, because I think a lot of attention gets given to periods, but we kind of forget about the rest. So I want to start off by kind of breaking down what our cycles actually are. And I also want to touch on the fact that tracking your cycle and understanding your cycle is so important because your full cycle, including your period, gives such a huge amount of insight into our health. And really, those periods do act as our like report card for the month that we've had. Um, so like we look at the moons um, and to review and reflect, especially with that new moon, new moon and period have a lot of similarities. And we did um, an episode right back at the very beginning on menstrual and moon cycles and how they kind of work together. So some of this is going to be kind of recovering a little bit of that, but I want to talk more from a health perspective today about cycles and kind of troubleshooting cycles and periods. To recap, firstly, I'm going to talk about the phases of our cycle. So first, um, we kind of, well, we kind of break our, our cycle as a whole down to four main phases. So the first is our menstrual phase. This is our period. Typically lasts three to seven-ish days. Now, like I said, day one of our cycle, so this is the very beginning, the very first phase, is marked by the first day of menses or bleeding. Now, menstruation is quite literally the shedding of our uterine lining. And at this point in our cycle, all of our hormones are low, meaning that our neurotransmitter activity and therefore our energy and motivation levels are going to be impacted and they're going to be lower too. At this particular time, our basal body temperature is also going to be lower um, for the entire follicular phase, which technically does also include the menstruation phase. So sometimes the menstruation or menstrual and follicular phase get kind of buddied up together. Now, our follicular phase lasts for seven to 10 days all up. And like I said, does it technically include the menstrual cycle, uh, sorry, menstrual phase. Um, that follicular phase in in order to prepare our bodies for ovulation, the pituitary gland in our brain is busy producing a follicular stimulating hormone or FSH to help to get our ovaries ready to prepare an egg. Now, one follicle in one ovary will become dominant and this will be the one to produce estrogen, particularly our estradiol or um, estrogen 2. Our estrogen levels will rise steadily during our follicular phase and they will get ready to peak at that ovulation point. Meanwhile, our uterine lining is starting to thicken back up again and that is thanks to that estrogen, which like I said, is steadily rising during this phase. We then hit ovulation. Now, ovulation is just a one day event, but this ovulation um, phase of our cycle typically lasts three to four days all up. So at our mid-cycle point, an egg is released from the cycle's dominant ovary and that action marks ovulation. Once that dominant follicle reaches around two centimetres, our estrogen levels are high enough, our luteinizing hormone, LH, uh, which is produced by the brain, dramatically increases and that is what prompts that egg release from that dominant follicle. We then have our luteal phase. So our luteal phase lasts 10 to 14 days, and this is when that emptied follicle transforms into a functioning gland, the corpus luteum. 
During this phase, we are producing, thanks to that corpus luteum, progesterone as well as some estrogen. Now, progesterone is going to peak at around halfway through this luteal phase. If our egg is fertilized, progesterone is going to support pregnancy. If not, our corpus luteum is going to break down and our progesterone and estrogen are going to decrease and get ready for menstruation. Meanwhile, our uterus is preparing with the help of progesterone too, either to support that pregnancy or to break down and shed. Hello, period. So that is, in summary, our phases of our cycle. I do want to touch on, um, and, and when I talk about these phases and this cycle, I do want to make a quick note here that if you are on the pill or for some reason you're not um, experiencing a menstrual cycle at the moment, I don't want you to feel left out. And again, I think going back to our menstrual and moon cycle episode is going to be really, really helpful here because um, it's a great way to tune into our, our natural female feminine cycles um, without having to rely on those menstrual phases because there is so much, um, so much similarity in, in both. Now, we can technically still bleed if we don't ovulate. So if we don't ovulate in a cycle, it's called anovulation. Um, so in this case, no follicle reaches ovulation, no corpus luteum is formed and no progesterone is secreted. Um, but because estrogen is still being produced in that cycle, it still is going to stimulate the thickening of that uterine lining, which as we know, the shedding of indicates our bleed. Um, it's not a true menstrual cycle. Um, it can happen in cases where um, some, uh, uh, someone might have an, an implant, for example, because you can um, technically still partially cycle uh, with an implant, um, but it's quite different in the case of the oral contraceptive pill um, and the synthetic hormones in there because in that case we, we don't have a follicular phase, we don't ovulate, we don't create a corpus luteum, we don't have a luteal phase and we don't create progesterone. Now I want to talk a little bit more about our periods. As I said, this is a small part of our entire menstrual cycle. Our period should last, ideally, somewhere between two to seven days, and most women will find that they will flow for three to five. Like I said, day one is the first day of our heavy flow, and across all of the days of our, our bleeding, we should lose all up around 50 mil of blood. Now, I think it is so helpful to track our period, and like I said, really use the health of that period as like a, a report card. So, like I said, when we're tracking our cycle, we know that day one is our first proper day of bleeding. So then we number each day from there. Now, whether you do this in your calendar or in a journal or on a piece of paper or a chart, or whether you use like a tracking app. So I really love the app Kindara. Um, I, I use that personally and I recommend it to my clients. And it's actually really cool. You can, with the paid version, get your um, moon phases in the app as well, which I love. Um, but basically we want to number each day from day one. We're going to record the number of days that we bleed. We're going to record the amount of um, menstrual fluid that we're losing. We want to also re um, report on any symptoms, particularly in the lead up to our period and, and through our period, um, which is known as 
PMS, which I'm going to touch a little bit more on in a second. But as I mentioned to all of my clients, it's also really important that we track and re report on any symptoms across our entire cycle. Because as we said, while that period is a really great report card for the month prior, it is quite a small part of our entire cycle, which lasts for, as we said, around a month um, or anywhere between 21 to 35 days. So it's it's important to make note of, of what's happening throughout that cycle and gives us a good indication or can give us a good indication as well as to whether we are actually ovulating each cycle as well. So that is our cycle. Now I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper um, into what is normal. And again, here I'm going to touch really predominantly on, on period health um, because I think this is, yeah, really where any health problems that come up for us during our cycle, we, we're really going to see it during our period typically. So let's talk about pain. Now, period pain is scientifically the release of our prostaglandins. Now, the more prostaglandins we have, the more pain we're going to experience. We will tend to have um, the the amount of prostaglandins that we're releasing will depend on our estrogen progesterone balance. So the more estrogen we have and the less progesterone we have, the greater that release of progesterone um, sorry of prostaglandins, and therefore the more pain that we're going to experience. Now, Period pain is so common, and I think because it is so common, it does get normalized, which irritates the living daylights out of me, and especially as someone who has endo um, and sees endo so often not diagnosed or not diagnosed properly, not investigated properly, not even offered as a, as a possibility or an, an explanation as to why someone is experiencing so much pain. Having said this, I know I have just said that period pain is not normal. There is um, some level of normality in period pain. Normal period pain will feel more like discomfort than it will pain. And not every woman will or should experience it. Some women, though, will notice a little bit of mild cramping in the lower pelvic region or in their lower back for possibly the first one or two days of their period. However, that pain or discomfort should absolutely not in any way, shape or form interfere with their normal daily activity. They might just notice that it's there, but it doesn't stop them in their tracks. It's, it's fine, mm -hmm. life goes on. It would absolutely be relieved by any painkillers if they were necessary. Um, and more to the point, it, that kind of discomfort can actually uh, be treated naturopathically by helping to support the balance of that those estrogen and progesterone levels. So, so this is something that I work on with a lot of my clients because as I said, the less prostaglandins we have, the less pain we're going to experience. So if we can decrease that imbalance um, and, and kind of help to level out that seesaw a little bit more, then we should be able to kind of reduce that pain even further. 
What is not normal when it comes to period pain is any kind of throbbing, burning or stabbing pain that can last for more than that one day and might even for some women um, occur between periods. Normal period pain should absolutely not cause vomiting. It should not cause you to miss work or school or any other kind of function because you can't move. <laughs> um, any kind of pain that's not relieved by like Panadol or ibuprofen is a bit of a flag that something is not normal there. Now, that kind of level of pain could be caused, as in my case, by something like endometriosis, or it could even be um, a pelvic infection, or it might be, um, in some cases, the, the copper non-hormonal IUD can sometimes contribute to pain. All of these reasons, if you are experiencing abnormal period pain, should be looked into. And I don't want this kind of generational um, view that pain is normal to continue any further, mm. ideally, because it's not normal and we shouldn't have to just deal with it. Mm. Um, and I know that my mum did and I know that her mum did, but it ends here. <laughs> it ends with me. If I have a daughter, my sister has a daughter, um, I, I don't want them to have to live with that and think that it's normal because it's not yeah and I didn't know that it wasn't not normal until very later in life yeah. when you know because you didn't really discuss yeah menstrual menstrual cycles Absolutely. well I never did I know like it's different now with my stepdaughter like that it's more open um but yeah I think it's such an important point that yeah. you bring into light um yeah absolutely um I want to dig into PMS a little bit more now PMS is, um, for a lot of us, that kind of um, very familiar, friendly enemy that shows up once a month, um, kicks off the period party, so to speak, uh, with a whole heap of really lovely symptoms. Now, um, for different women, that's going to show up slightly differently um, and there's lots of different symptoms that you could be experiencing. Now, PMS um, is known as premenstrual syndrome. Um, could include anything from acne to anxiety. Um, it could mean swollen or tender or painful breasts or a really bloated or swollen tummy. Um, you could be feeling really confused and clumsy. You could be feeling quite depressive. You could be experiencing really bad irritability or you could experience headaches. Um, you might be feeling really socially anxious all of a sudden. You might feel like this massive drop in your self-esteem. Questioning all your life choices. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Starting fights for no reason with your partner. The list goes on and on and on. Um, and all of those symptoms, obviously, could make that time really unpleasant for you. Now, there are a few reasons as to why premenstrual syndrome comes around in the first place. Usually it's for five main reasons. The first one is that there is too much estrogen or there's estrogen excess. Second is that progesterone is too low. Third reason is because your body's inflamed. As we know, no body is happy when there is inflammation in that body. Could be because of stress. 
And as we know, stress can be mental, but also emotional, spiritual, physical, environmental. Um, And I want to include in that kind of stress category, um, inflammation actually presents very similarly to stress, but also if you've been unwell, if your body is recovering from something, whether that be like a a surgery or an accident or um, an illness of some kind, then that can also uh, impact premenstrual symptoms that you might experience. The other reason is that you might um, have some level of histamine intolerance, which is quite closely linked to that estrogen excess picture. Or it could actually be a combination of all of the above, which for a lot of women it, it can be. So that's PMS. Now, again, while it's very common um, and while it is kind of expected that you would notice that some things happen each time before your period as kind of a good indication that things are on its way, that something's about to happen, that's normal. What's not normal is for things to be, again, impacting your daily functioning. Um, PMD or PMDD um, are more severe versions of PMS in that they are becoming that level of um, real heavy impact on your life and your ability to function. So um, PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It's a really Basically, it's a really f- severe form of PMS. So for these women, they'll probably experience all of those symptoms that I mentioned and to the point that they feel out of control. And that is not ideal. So that is is not normal. But like I said, you might notice that some t- you might notice some common symptoms in the lead up to your period. If they're not impacting you, they're not bothering you, you're just noticing them, that's okay. But We don't want you to be experiencing severe PMS or severe PMDD. Um, And again, naturopathic medicine is really great for this, particularly herbs, but even coming back to just basics and and working with some really beautiful nutrients. I want to talk about late periods. And this is something that I think always scares a lot of women because there are a couple of really obvious reasons as to why your period might be late and or not showing up at all. Um, so I think it can sometimes induce a little bit of panic. Now, ideally, your period should come every 35 days at least. If your period is later than that, it could be due either to you having an anovulatory cycle. So again, that means that you're not ovulating in that cycle, or you could have had a really long follicular phase. Now that might just be something that happens on a random odd month for you, or it could be something that's happening more frequently. And if it's happening more frequently is when you want to really start to look more closely. Now, the reason that you might not have ovulated that cycle or that your follicular phase was particularly long that cycle could be because you are transitioning to menopause. And I'm going to touch a little bit more on on menopause and perimenopause in a sec. Um, It could be because of a thyroid condition. It could, again, be due to stress or to illness. can also be due to under-eating. A lot of clients who are not getting enough nutrients in or just not eating regularly enough or um, over-exercising, we'll see that cycles can be quite late. Um, Similarly, 
in the case of polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, we might notice that cycles are longer than that 35 day mark. On the flip side, we don't want your period coming any sooner than every 21 days. An early cycle or an, an early period could happen for, again, a few different reasons. Again, you might not have ovulated that cycle and that's playing into your cycle length picture, or you might have had a really short follicular phase and slash or a really short luteal phase. Now, a short luteal phase results in low progesterone and that can cause other issues long-term as well. Now, I'm gonna talk about heavy and light. Periods that are any heavier than 80 mil in blood loss, so that equates roughly, and I know uh, measuring heaviness and lightness is really difficult because mm. it's so subjective. What looks like heavy to me might not look like heavy to another woman. Mm. So what is scientifically heavy is more than 80 mil or 16 fully soaked regular tampons or eight fully soaked super tampons across the entire period. Um, or it could be a period that's lasting for longer than seven days. Now, heavy periods tend to happen for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it could be a case of estrogen excess again, or, and slash or, it might be an inability to actually process and detoxify your excess estrogen from your body. On the flip side, light periods are anything less than 25 mil of menstrual fluid for that whole cycle uh, whole whole period and whole cycle and again this can happen because of an anovulatory cycle so if we've not ovulated there's going to be less for us to shed for obvious reasons or it could be that we have a normal cycle but that we have actually got less estradiol than some women now that can be the case if we are smoking or passive smoking. Um, again, if we're under eating and slash or over exercising, or if we've got really high amounts of estrogen in our diet and our environment in the form particularly of xenoestrogens um, are going to replace but then hinder our own estrogen production and control. Now, I also want to talk about amenorrhea, which is something that I've seen in, in quite a few of my clients. And again, this can be um, temporary, but it can also be quite a long-term issue. And amenorrhea is, is literally the absence of periods. So if you're not getting a period, that is known as amenorrhea. Now, the most the two most obvious reasons for amenorrhea are firstly pregnancy, because if you are pregnant, you are not likely to be having a period. If you are in menopause, you're also not going to be having a period. There are a few other reasons that you might be experiencing amenorrhea. Stress, another major one, illness, um, under eating again, over exercising again, um, an underlying condition, again like PCOS might step into the picture and, and prevent you from, from bleeding at all. Um, but also, um, in, and in kind of in line with that PCOS picture, is post-pill syndrome. Um, some women coming off the pill might have issues with amenorrhea, at least temporarily. The plus of post-pill syndrome is that it te technically is only temporary, which is encouraging, thank goodness. Finally, 
um, hormonal acne. Now, hormonal acne is another uh, PMS symptom, as I mentioned, but it can also be a problem throughout the whole cycle. And hormonal acne is not really something that we want to see normally. Um, and it can be a bit of a, a, a flag, I guess, that something is not quite right hormonally. Now, there are four main reasons as to why I see hormonal acne in clients. The first is that it is for them a PMS symptom. And again, there can be a few reasons as to why that's happening. Can also be a case in PCOS that we see hormonal acne. And that's because PCOS is a androgen driven um, condition. And when we have high levels of androgens, um, that is when we can tend to see hormonal acne being a bit of a, a, a bit of a problem, really. Also, um, Another reason that you might be experiencing hormonal acne, and again, similarities here with PCOS is that you have just come off of hormonal birth control of some kind. And again, that post-pill syndrome might be kicking in here. It might also be because you are on a hormonal birth control method that is potentially not serving your body in an amazing way. Um, some people are more sensitive or less sensitive to certain uh, synthetic hormones than others. So if you're not, if your body's not dealing with those overly well, it can become a bit problematic and you can see hormonal acne as a result, even though you might not be having a typical period or typical menstrual cycle, it could still be hormonally driven acne. So ovulation and menstruation are and should be pretty regular during our reproductive years. And our reproductive years typically are roughly around that 20 to 45 year old mark. Now, around 10 years before menopause, and menopause is that complete cessation of periods, so complete stoppage of periods. Around 10 years before, we might start to notice that our periods slightly change. It will probably be most obvious in that two to three years before, and that period is known as our perimenopausal period of life. Now, the average age for menopause is between 45 and 55, and like I said, menopause is the cessation of the menstrual, um, menstrual cycle for one full year, the winding down of our reproductive hormones. Now, menopause is completely normal because it is an age-related Thing. as we grow older it's a completely normal part of that aging process as women it is caused by that failure of the ovaries to produce estrogen and progesterone and like i've mentioned throughout this episode they are both really important for the health of our menstrual cycle now there are certain things with menopause that can cause um, menopausal symptoms to come on more quickly or more obviously and more uncomfortably. So things like family history, if you have a thyroid condition, um, if you drink excessive alcohol or you're a cigarette smoker, um, if you have a really poor diet or you're deficient in, in a lot of nutrients, if you don't exercise very often um, or you are overweight or obese, or similarly, on the other hand, if you have really low, um, a really low body fat percentage, you might increase um, your menopausal symptoms or bring it on more quickly. Now, menopausal signs and symptoms can really vary very greatly from woman to woman. Um, and when our hormone production changes gradually, we're more likely to experience fewer 
symptoms. Um, so we'll notice, or many women will notice, a cycle length tending to change and usually it tends to increase. Might notice hot flushes and that's generally related to spikes in our luteinizing hormone or LH. Um, insomnia or night sweats, mood changes, vaginal dryness, um, menstrual flooding, so that extremely heavy period picture if and when we are bleeding, um, and can also be linked to issues with our urinary tract health as well. So we might be peeing more frequently, uh, we might experience burning, um, and we might even experience UTIs. Now, with menopause, we want to Obviously, we can't stop it, um, but we want to be able to provide symptomatic relief. And really, we do that by supporting hormonal production, by looking after the nervous system and the adrenals, um, by looking after the thyroid, um, really looking after body weight as well, and then preventing any kind of long-term risks. So things like osteoporosis and heart disease can um, link up with menopause here and there if something's not quite right in the body. So we really want to kind of ease, ease you through that. Having said that, at any point, whether you are menopausal, perimenopausal, or whether you are of menstruation age, if your periods are not normal, you might need some help. And similarly, if your menopausal symptoms are not normal or comfortable, and when I say normal, really anything that is impacting your daily function, that's when we look at things as not being normal and you might really need some help and naturopathy is amazing for period and cycle and hormonal health um, in every way shape or form and I'm so lucky to work at um, Floralia which is a beautiful fertility clinic and we see women in all ages of their menstrual cycle um, which is incredible and yeah an absolute wealth of knowledge um, amongst the practitioners there to support every woman through their menstrual cycles what i want to do though is give some general top tips for general period maintenance and also just general hormonal health the first is reducing your stress i feel like we talk about this in almost every episode but Reducing stress is helpful for our menstrual health because stress impacts our hypothalamus. Now, our hypothalamus in our brain is responsible for hormone function and hormone production. So high stress levels actually prevent our hypothalamus from maintaining ovulation. If we are not ovulating, then obviously that is going to bring up issues. Long-term elevated stress levels also mean long-term elevated cortisol levels. And when our high cortisol levels are sustained, again, we are impeding ov um, ovulation. So managing your stress in whatever way that looks like for you is really important. And really, it comes down to seeking joy and rest ultimately. So meditation, breathing, yoga, anything else is going to be really, really important here. Also really important that we get really good quality sleep. Sleep helps us to regulate the release of our hormones. It's also going to stabilize our HPA or hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So that link between our brain and our adrenals, really big part of our nervous system. Um, and really important for helping us to steady our cortisol levels. So in order to get better sleep, 
skip that afternoon coffee. You ideally don't want to be having one after midday. Switch on the night shift on your iPhone if you've got it um, or the equivalent on your Android. Avoid screens as much as you possibly can for that 30 to 60 minutes minimum before you head to bed. Try journaling before your sleep. I love um, encouraging my clients to try brain dumping, so literally emptying their brain out onto paper, getting it all out, closing that book, putting it away. Um, sipping on some passion flower tea an hour before bed is a really beautiful way to look after your sleep. And just generally to make sure that you actually really intentionally have your time to wind down in the evenings before you tuck yourself into bed it can be really beautiful ways to support your sleep. Regular exercise helps to control our stress response. It's also going to improve our insulin sensitivity. It's going to promote the circulation of blood and nutrients to our pelvic organs, and it's going to prevent chronic inflammation as well. So I really encourage that you find the type of exercise that you love and that works for your body and aim for at least 30 minutes, five times a week. So 150 minutes a week is that magic number for exercise and movement. Now, not much is going to work very well in an inflamed body, and that includes our hormones. So sugar, alcohol, gluten, dairy, excessive amounts of red meat, fried foods, are all going to promote inflammation. So instead, I really encourage that you fill your plate up with your protein, with your healthy fats, with your complex carbohydrates, and with those really beautiful anti-inflammatory foods like turmeric, ginger, extra virgin olive oil, green tea, your leafy greens, um, your nuts and seeds, berries, broccoli. They are just some of my absolute favorites. And then I want to encourage you to restore all of your hormone loving nutrients to their optimal levels and make sure that there's not any underlying deficiency at play here. Now, there are so many um, important nutrients for menstrual health, but a few of my favorites are magnesium, zinc, vitamin D, and iodine. Now, magnesium is important because it helps to soothe our nervous system, helps look after our sleep, helps to regulate that HPA axis. It's also going to improve our thyroid and insulin hormone function. It's also an anti-inflammatory, and it's going to promote that estrogen metabolism and therefore help to uh, balance that estrogen uh, clearance and making sure that we don't have any estrogen excess pictures present. Zinc is really important. It's absolutely essential for the production and function of all of our hormones, but it's also going to help to look after those ovarian follicles too, which as we know are responsible for ovulation. Zinc is also another anti-inflammatory and again another incredible nutrient for regulating that HPA axis and our stress response. Vitamin D, really important and undervalued nutrient for regulating our immune health, but also our hormone health. And it is essential for healthy ovulation. And finally, iodine, really beautiful for uh, healthy estrogen metabolism. So again, that nice healthy balance of estrogen levels, making sure that we don't have estrogen excess in the picture. Really important for promoting healthy ovulation. Um, and also incredible for PMS symptoms, making sure that we're preventing um, breast tenderness in particular, um, as well as any kind of mood changes um, that come around that PMS time, but can also be helpful for those women who experience pain around ovulation time. Now, 
As a naturopath, I recommend and prescribe practitioner only, um, really high quality supplements and only when I am confident that my client is experiencing a deficiency. So I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I really encourage that you don't self-prescribe where possible um, so you can make sure that where you are using supplements that they are of a really, really high quality and that they are working for you and not potentially um, causing any issues to your health long term. Yeah, and I just want to say that, Em, I was recently, my iodine levels were very, very low. And mm. so I went on the iodine and I felt like I was on speed. Yeah. And it totally messed with me. So as an alternative, I actually am doing seaweed. Yeah. Um, which there, yeah, there's, you know, definitely, again, as Em said, make sure it's a good quality one. Yes. Um, where it's sourced and things like that. But that I found was a really great alternative because, yeah, it just affected me so much. Yes, exactly. And this is the thing. We want to make sure that we are are really looking after your health. Um, If you are trying supplements in the first place, it's probably because you're unhappy with your health. So there's no point in making your health worse Mm. by using the wrong ones, I think, ultimately. Um, Finally, really important that you reduce your exposure to hormone disruptors. So... Some of the top most impactful are like plastic water bottles and plastic food containers. Opt for glass or stainless steel wherever you can instead. Your conventional cosmetics, um, including makeup and perfumes. Mm -hmm. Cleaning products are another really big one. Um, And also unfiltered water as well. So where you can, making those little swaps so that you are being exposed to less hormone disruptors. And like I said earlier, less xenoestrogens as well is going to be really important in the long term. So that is a little bit (laughs) of Menstrual Health 101. That was amazing. And I wish everyone could see Em's hand movements. They were going frantic. (laughs) (laughs) She's getting so excited about it. I love it. Just lighting up. But um, thank you for all your um, wisdom. Of course. My pleasure. So we hope that you enjoyed the episode. Please let us know if you did by rating and reviewing. And so other witches can find us. Yes, and speaking of finding other witches, come and join our community on Facebook. We are um, the WBW Coven, um, a little Facebook group full of witches there. And as always, you'll find us on Instagram at Witches Being Witches. See you next time, fellow witch. Thanks for listening to Witches Being Witches. Remember, happiness is the new rich. Inner peace is the new success. Health is the new wealth and kindness is a new call. We'll see you next episode.